congregation this afternoon will deal with Lord's Day 12 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 12. And there we confess the Word of God as, as follows. Why is he, Jesus, called Christ, that is, anointed? Because he has been ordained by God the Father and anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher, who has fully revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our redemption. Our only high priest, who by the one sacrifice of his body has redeemed us and who continually intercedes for us before the Father and our eternal King, who governs us by his word and spirit and who defends and preserves us in the redemption obtained for us. Why are you called a Christian? Because I'm a member of Christ by faith and thus share in his anointing so that I may as prophet confess his name as priest, present myself a living sacrifice of thankfulness to him, and as king, fight with a free and good conscience against sin and the devil in this life, and hereafter reign with him eternally over all creatures. So far our confession. <clears throat> Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that also includes the boys and girls here. Last September, my wife and I stayed at a bed and breakfast in Pennsylvania for a couple of days in uh, Amish country. And in that bed and breakfast, we kind of noticed after a while from the uh, texts on the wall and from little meditation booklets and so on and a Bible here and there that the people who ran the bed and breakfast were Christians. And they turned out to be uh, committed Lutherans. The thing is, though, we could, as it were, smell that these people were Christians. We could smell that from what we saw in that house and also heard from the lady herself. The thing is, Christians, you could say, diffuse the aroma of Christ in their lives. As it says in those verses we read from 2 Corinthians 2, you can smell a Christian, you could almost say that. The apostle writes about himself and his fellow workers that they are the, the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. People could smell from what Paul said and how he acted, they could smell Christ. As Christians, then, we exude the aroma of life to those around us. In other words, Christ exudes a sweet-smelling fragrance, and so Christians who are connected to him by faith also exude the same aroma. Christ and Christians, the same fragrance. That's actually what Lord's Day 12 is about. And I proclaim what we confess from the Bible in Lord's Day 12 with this theme, the aroma of life. And we see that aroma in the first place diffused by Christ, and in the second place, that aroma diffused by Christians. First, that aroma diffused by Christ. 
Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, I speak about aroma because that word has everything to do with the name Christ and Christians. Christ is the Greek word for anointed. The Hebrew word for anointed is Messiah. And you know that in Old Testament times, a special oil was poured over people when they were called to a specific task as a prophet, priest, or king among God's people. That oil then signified that such a person had been appointed by God himself, was consecrated to God. And you know, even before any person had been anointed with that oil to any office, Moses also anointed the tabernacle and its whole inventory with that same oil. We read about that in, in Exodus 30. Why all that anointing with that special fragrant oil? That oil with that particular aroma. We read in Exodus 30, it contains sweet-smelling ingredients very fragrant oil, myrrh, cinnamon. It was like a powerful perfume. And you can imagine that when the tabernacle and everything in it were sprinkled with that oil, that fragrant oil, the Lord's dwelling among His people smelled special. It smelled like nothing else. And nothing else was supposed to smell the same because the recipe for that oil was kind of secret. It was holy to be used only for the purposes the Lord had commanded. You realize that that, that fragrance, that fragrant oil symbolized something. That fragrance itself symbolized something. Why that unique smell when you approached God's house why that, that smell? Well, to signify that the tabernacle was a separate and special place to the Lord. It was consecrated to Him. It was separate from the world. Actually, you could say this world stinks because of sin. This world smells bad because of sinfulness and the sin, sinfulness of it. The iniquity of mankind has polluted the air here on earth. You could say that evil spirits foul the atmosphere here. But with God in, in His house, you could breathe deeply fresh air, fragrant air, smelled completely differently there in His tabernacle. Sweet-smelling aroma pervaded God's dwelling the aroma of life. There in God's house, the Holy Spirit gives life, renews life. But not only were the tabernacle and the altars and the instruments anointed with that aromatic oil, the people who served in God's house were also anointed with the same oil. 
They were called to serve God there as priests. But of themselves, those people also stank because of their sins and sinfulness. Sinful people too, and evil spirits were always trying to find a place inside their hearts too. But God employed those priests in his service, set them aside, especially for the task to spread the aroma of life among his people. So wherever the priest, and in particular the high priest, walked in Israel, wearing his robes, you could smell his coming. And that signified that the priests would call, were to, there to call the people from sure death to life with God. That was the aroma of life that was exuded by the high priest. The Spirit of God, in other words, wanted to live and work among God's people. Give life, new life. At first, only priests were anointed. Later on, the Bible shows that also prophets like Elisha was, were anointed, and kings like King David, anointed. But every time someone was anointed in Israel, it took place with that special oil stored in the house of God. And that person smelled, you could smell it on that person. Well, you'd think that with that anointing of God's house and of his servants, that, that things would have smelled more and more fragrant in Israel, among the people of Israel. Or talking without the symbolism, life would have become more and more dedicated to God. More and more holy, more and more governed by the Holy Spirit. There would be renewed life there. And then that other peoples would have been attracted to the God of Israel because of the sweet aroma, so to speak, the holy walk and talk of the Israelites. They would have realized that with the God of Israel, you can breathe easy than in the choking stink of their gods. And once in a while, you see that people did realize that. Think of the Queen of Sheba who came to see King Solomon and to breathe in some of the aroma that was present when he was king. Breathe in the wisdom of God. But all too often, you know, the, the opposite was the case, wasn't it? The, uh, all too often the prophets, priests, and kings of Israel diffused the stench of sin and spread that stench to the people of God. They even took that stench into the temple and polluted the atmosphere of God's house. Think of the kings who placed idols in the temple later on in Israel's history even. The priests and kings had the task to make room for the Holy Spirit among God's people, the spirit of life, but instead they let evil spirits loose among them. It got to the point that eventually God departed from his dwelling place among his people in Jerusalem. Ezekiel, you know, he saw God leaving his people, departing from the temple, and God let foreigners conquer Jerusalem and burn the temple to the ground. That could have been the end of everything. Could have been the end of life on earth, then we could say even. 
God could have given this world over to the pollution of sin. Let the devil destroy it. But we know that God had a plan and it involved a Messiah, a Christ, an anointed one who would be perfect prophet, priest, and king, his only begotten son. He came into this world as man in Bethlehem and at his baptism by John in the Jordan, he was anointed with the Holy Spirit himself who de descended on him in the form of a dove. And there he was anointed to all three offices, prophet, priest, and king. And his task as prophet, priest, and king was to push the stinking smog of sin out of this world forever and make room for the purifying and life-giving spirit, aroma of life. As our highest prophet, he made abundantly clear that he had come to break the power of sin and Satan and that all human efforts to cleanse the air were only going to lead to more pollution, so to speak. And then he, as high priest, offered himself to God, sweet-smelling sacrifice that covered the stench of our sins and reconciled us to God. And as king, he dethroned the ruler of this world and death, and he poured out his spirit on his church, anointed his church, and by his word and spirit, he now purifies a people for himself from all nations who will reign over all things with him a people who diffuse the aroma of Christ, the aroma of life. Congregation, all that is where that name Christ, anointed, stands for. And this is how we may know the Christ. Because of him, people can breathe easy again. They can breathe in fresh air, the aroma of life. Because of him, this earth in the future is going to smell as wonderfully pure and fragrant as it does now in heaven where Christ already is at the right hand of God. We come to the second part of the sermon, the aroma of Christ diffused by Christians. Brothers and sisters, a wonderful future. You and I have the calling to work toward that future now too. Name Christian implies our connection with Christ. And that connection is so close that the catechism refers under the first part of answer 32 to 1 Corinthians 12, where the church is described as a body and Christ is the head. We are the members. Hence, the members share in the anointing received by the head. Like we sang at the beginning of this worship service, Psalm 133, there the high priest of Aaron's anointing is described. That precious fragrant oil is poured on Aaron's head and it runs down into his beard and spreads into his robes and the rest of his body. You can say the same thing happened with Christ when he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit spread to his whole body, to all who belonged to him too at Pentecost. The Spirit was poured out over the whole church. And if you think about that, that is how it is with the church after Pentecost. The Holy Spirit lives in all the members of Christ. We have received the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so Christ can employ us all as prophets, priests, and kings, 
in his work of purifying a people for himself and fighting against the pollution of sin here on earth. The Apostle Paul describes that wonderfully in that passage we read from 2 Corinthians. Already chapter 1, verse 21, uh, he speaks about that. He says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And then he, after speaking about his, his and the church's anointing with the Spirit, then he writes in, in the verses 14 and 15, he writes, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. The, the apostle has in mind here that sweet-smelling anointing oil which was used in the Old Testament, which we read about in Exodus 30. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, in other words, is people, as Christians, as people who, of whom Christ is the head and we are the members, the body members, as Christians, we should be diffusing the sweet aroma of Christ to those around us. The aroma of life leading to life, he says. Congregation, when godless people open their mouths to speak, they exude a bad, bad smell with their talk. And not just because they might have a bad breath as such, but because of their talk, what they say. But when a, a true Christian opens his or her mouth, you're not going to get a, a whiff, whiff of gossip or, or lies or malice or slander or filthy talk or so. That stuff stinks. No, you hear from their speech that they are being purified by the Spirit of Christ. People can smell by their talk that they're Christians. In everything you see, it, it should be smelled. Heard and seen, in other words, that we have been anointed with Christ. A Christian is a, anointed to be a prophet and therefore isn't ashamed to diffuse the aroma of Christ to others around him or her in speech or in action. And someone who's anointed with Christ is also different in this, namely that his or her life isn't all about themselves in the first place. It's not all about their own interests, their own honor, their own pleasures, their own ideals, man-centered. No, a Christian is anointed with Christ to be a priest, and a Christian therefore offers his or her life as a fragrant thank offering to God. God's will, God's way stands above their own will and way. They submit themselves to Him, His Word, if they're called to worship God, then they don't put their own rest or pleasure first, but they put the worship of their gracious God first. And then they're also willing to sacrifice time and money for the benefit of their neighbor. That's how they diffuse the fragrance of Christ in their lives. That's how they work toward the future when the earth will be completely purified. 
And a Christian is then also someone who hates and despises the smell of sin. Can't stand it. A Christian is anointed with Christ as king to fight against sin and the devil in this life, against anything that stinks like sin. At home, at work, in politics, in the media, and wherever Christians find themselves, they work to resist the spread of sin, the smell of sin. They work instead to spread the aroma of Christ, the aroma of Christ where they are. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, I mentioned before, it leads to this question, can people around you smell that you are a Christian? What do they smell when they have to do with you? Do they smell the aroma of life, the fragrance of Christ? Are they attracted to that fragrance of the Spirit of Christ that emanates from you? Sadly, you know, young people often get the idea from us older members that being a Christian means that you're not allowed to do all kinds of things others do. They get a negative impression of what it means to belong to Christ. We have to teach, we older ones have to teach the next generation that it, what it positively means to be a Christian. It means you can breathe easy again. Sin stinks. You can't catch your breath. It smells of death. And that's why we have to avoid it. We need to breathe in the gospel. We're on the way to a wonderfully pure and fragrant new world with Christ. And that's why it's good to stay close to him, to follow him. Then you can breathe. So let's diffuse the aroma of life, the aroma of Christ in our lives, brothers and sisters, as prophets, as priests, and as kings, anointed with his spirit. Let's give people around us a good, fragrant whiff of what it means to belong to Christ. Oh, there, there will be people who won't be able to stand the aroma of Christ. The apostle mentions that in 2 Corinthians 2. People who are being saved love the aroma of Christ. But for those who are perishing, that aroma of Christ is suffocating. That's not because of Christ, but because those people have become so used to living in the stench of sin that they hate the sweet aroma of Christ. When you live in the dump all the time, you can't stand it in the garden among the flowers anymore. So when you try to show them Christ as Savior from sin, they don't want to hear about it. They harden themselves against it. The thing is, though, we have to watch out that while we call ourselves Christians, we have to watch out that our lives don't exude a bad smell, too, because we don't let ourselves be led by Christ in some part of our life. The stench of sin is overwhelming, too. 
people turn up their nose at us then and at the church of Christ because of that, because they can smell it too. If a Christian becomes known for using coarse language, for being untrustworthy in business or being full of themselves, what kind of aroma are they exuding? What will those who know those things think of Christ, who know their lifestyle, what will they think of Christ? I know nobody here this afternoon will smell perfectly like Christ. We all fall short in being Christians, being prophets, priests, and kings who always and everywhere diffuse the aroma of Christ. But isn't it wonderful, too, then, that we can take on that calling every time again, day by day, with a free and good conscience, as it says in Lord's Day 12? Those are awesome words there. You can read right over them, with free and good conscience. Fight against sin and the devil in this life. Every time I smell my sins and shortcomings again, I get sick of myself. And then I can go to Christ again and be washed clean and anointed again and know that I'm a member of his anointed body again. And then I can breathe easy too and take up my task again to spread that aroma of Christ with my life. Notice Notice, too, it's not my aroma, but Christ's aroma. It's not, look at how good I am, how pious I am. No, it's, look at how good it is to live out of the forgiveness of Christ. Look at how awesome He is. Amen.